0: This morning we continue our summer series on the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy. If you're just joining us, 1st and 2nd Timothy are two short books near the end of the New Testament. They were originally written as letters from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Timothy was Paul's young disciple. Paul was probably old enough to be Timothy's father. He called him his child in the faith. Timothy had been influenced spiritually most by his mother and his grandmother when Paul met him. And Paul saw the potential in him, called him to join uh, him with the others on their missionary journeys, and he became a great church leader. And at the time when these letters were written, Timothy was overseeing a church or churches in the vicinity of Ephesus. And so in his writing to Timothy, the Apostle Paul is giving guidance on life in the church. His primary concern is that truth always be taught in the churches, but he also addresses practical things like the care of widows and how to select elders and deacons for the churches. Today, we're going to look at two short passages, one in 1 Timothy, one in 2 Timothy. And this briefer-than-usual message today uh, really could be seen as a follow up to Pastor Andrew's message last week. Andrew talked about how to fulfill God's mission for your life. And the instruction we'll see this morning could be seen as kind of a sub point to that title, how to fulfill God's mission for your life. As the Apostle Paul gives three imperatives, three commands to Timothy and to all growing Christians to pursue, to flee, and to fight. Now, what does he mean by that? Let's read these passages. First Timothy chapter six, we read, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Pursue, flee, and fight. Second Timothy Chapter 2, verses 20 to 22, we read, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house. That is, he'll fulfill God's mission, his will, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Three imperatives. Each of these is in the imperative command form to pursue, to flee, to fight. Each is necessary for fulfilling God's will, His mission for your life. The question is, what does each one of these mean? Well, let's start with pursue. When Paul tells Timothy to pursue something, I think what he means is to seek God and His righteousness, His righteous ways. As we saw in 1 Timothy 6.11, You, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. And in 2 Timothy 2.22 Similar wording, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. it's calling us to pursue righteousness. What does he mean by that? For those of you who are familiar with the Bible, the idea of seeking or pursuing righteousness probably raises a question because the Bible very clearly teaches us that through faith in Jesus... And what he did in his dying on the cross, believers received the righteousness of God as a gift by faith. And indeed, righteousness is a gift received by faith in a moment of time. Romans 3, chapter chapter 3, verse 22, the Apostle Paul talks about the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote that, for our sake, He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be made sin for us, so that in Him we might be made the righteousness of God. So it's true that when we put our faith in Jesus and what He's done on the cross for us, when the Holy Spirit opens our hearts to embrace that, and the Holy Spirit cleanses our hearts by faith, He applies to them the righteousness of God. So that a person who has received this gift of God's salvation could indeed be called righteousness, righteous at that very moment. So indeed, righteousness is a gift received by faith. But the New Testament also speaks of righteousness as a way of living, a way of life. Righteous people live righteously. And that is the sense in which the Apostle Paul is using the word here when he tells Timothy to seek or to pursue righteousness. Righteousness is a way of life that includes, for example, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, peace, and purity. These are the words the Apostle Paul uses here writing to Timothy. And he's telling him to pursue this type of a life. Though you've been made righteous by faith, you're saved, you're going to heaven. Pursue a righteous way of living. Pursue these things. Seek these things. Elsewhere, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Bible says God is a reward of those who diligently seek him. So the Bible calls us to fulfill his will to pursue God, to pursue his kingdom, to pursue a righteous way of living, a righteous way of life. And Paul also tells Timothy to flee some things. What does he mean when he tells him to flee certain things, if he's going to fulfill God's will? Well, when he uses the word flee, when he uses this imperative, this command, he's speaking of the need to avoid that which is a source of evil. In God's eyes. He writes, flee youthful passions. Some versions read flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness. Fleeing things has to do with recognizing those things in life that cause us to fall prey to temptation. He's calling Timothy and he's calling us to flee those environments where we know we'll be tempted. To remove ourselves from environments of temptation. Sometimes when we grow in our faith, there are things we hold on to, even though we know they're wrong, and even though we know they lead us down a path that is wrong in the eyes of God. There are those things in life we don't really want to yield to God. Think of your life as a house, a home with many rooms. When you embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you give him the title to the house. He's Lord. He owns the house. But oftentimes, we have rooms in the house that we keep locked. And we keep close to the Lord. For some, it might be the room of entertainment perhaps saying, I don't really want the Lord messing with that. For some, it's a room of sexuality. Yeah, I want the Lord as my Savior, but I don't want Him messing with that. For some, it's money. They might say, yes, Jesus is Lord, but I control my money myself. I don't want God messing with that. That's the temptation that Paul is specifically address, addressing here in one Timothy chapter six. So look, let's look at it further. He writes to Timothy, "As for you, O man of God, flee these things." So it calls us to ask, "What are these things?" Well, let's look at the verses that immediately precede those words. "Flee these things," and these are the two verses that precede those words. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Now, as you look at those verses, consider these key words. um, Desire. Desire to be rich, love, love of money, craving. The Apostle Paul is not saying that money in and of itself is evil. Money in itself has no morality one way or the other. But the love of money, this craving, this desire to be rich, Paul says, is a root of all kinds of evil. And in his very next words, he'll say to Timothy, but you, O man of God, flee these things, the desire for riches. Stephen told me Friday that, very prevalent in churches in Africa, that there's all this emphasis on, on prosperity, and many of the preachers seek this wealth for themselves. Well, that was a reality in the days of Timothy and the Apostle Paul as well. And he gives this warning, you, Timothy, flee these things, flee this love of money, because through this, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, these words may be particularly convicting to us here in the United States of America because of our relative wealth compared to the rest of the world. And if this was all Paul said in this chapter about money, we might leave feeling particularly uncomfortable. But he says more in 1 Timothy chapter 6, because there were wealthy people in the early church that Timothy oversaw. And so a few verses later in this chapter, Paul the apostle is going to tell Timothy how to disciple the wealthy believers that were in the church that he oversaw because there were wealthy believers in the church. And here's what he writes in verses 17 through 19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Those are critically important words for those of us who, relative to much of the world, have have wealth. How are we to, to live with our wealth? Well, Paul gives, I think, three things here. Number one, don't be haughty. Don't let it make you arrogant if you have a lot of wealth. Don't see yourself as better than other people. Number two, don't let it become the foundation of your hope. Don't let your security be found in your wealth. And then number three, use your wealth for the glory of God. He says, be generous, ready to share, laying up a good foundation for the future. So for those with wealth, I, I think it, it causes us to ask three questions. Number one, if you have a lot of wealth relative to other people, number one, what's your attitude? Can you re- remain humble before God and other people? Paul says, don't be haughty. Charge those who are wealth not to be haughty. What's your attitude? Number two, what is your trust or the basis of your trust or security? He goes on to say, charge them not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who provides us richly with everything to enjoy. So, what's your attitude? What's your trust, your security? And then, thirdly, what's your vision? Paul says they're to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and ready to share. Storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future. What Jesus would call storing up treasure in heaven. So I think we should ask ourselves regarding money. What's my attitude? Where's my trust? What's my vision for the money God's given me to use for his glory? But as for the love of money, the desire to be rich, the craving for wealth, Paul says, flee that because it will cause you to stumble. Timothy, he says, and he's saying to us as well, to fulfill the will of God, to fulfill his mission for your life, pursue God, his righteousness, his kingdom, seek him. Flee those things. Avoid those things that lead you away from God. And specifically in this passage, the love of money. And then finally, fight. Perse- pursue, flee, and fight. What does he mean when he says fight? He's not talking about fighting people, just like he's not saying pursue people or flee from people, not talking about fighting any person whatsoever. He's talking about standing standing steadfastly in devotion to Jesus Christ despite opposition from people or Satan. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Our fight is a good fight because it is God who enables us to prevail, but there will be opposition from people is you hold fast your faith in Jesus, some will oppose you. Paul told Timothy, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, maybe rejection from friends. But there's also opposition from Satan. The Bible is very clear that those who are followers of Jesus, especially as you're fulfilling God's will for your life, following his plan for your life, there is spiritual opposition from Satan. You'll see some verses on the screen from Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul the Apostle says, we don't don't fight people. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. He tells uh, the Ephesians in this passage, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, we don't fight people. But against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. The believer's posture in regard to Satan, the devil, and his accusations and his temptations is not to flee but to stand, to steadfastly resist... We see that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, where he says, Be sober, be sober-minded, be watchful or vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. In the book of James, the apostle James writes, Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The believer is not to live in fear of Satan and flee from him. The believer is to steadfastly stand and resist the devil. And James says he will flee from you. So, to walk closely with the Lord. To know him better and love him more. To fulfill his mission, his will for your life. Pursue. Pursue God and his righteousness. Flee. Avoid the things that lead you down a path of temptation and away from God with particular concern in our passage today for the love of money. And fight the good fight of the faith. In God's strength, stand. As we come to a close, I want to suggest four questions by way of personal application. The first is this, and the most important one. Have I received the gift of righteousness through faith in Jesus? This happens when the Holy Spirit enables you to recognize your sin, your need for God's forgiveness, enables you to come humbly and recognize that Jesus and his dying on the cross secured that forgiveness. And by faith, God not only Removes the debt of our sin. He credits us with the gift of righteousness. Secondly, how seriously am I seeking to know God, love God, and live a more righteous life? Are you seeking? Are you pursuing? And let me just suggest we don't do this in isolation from other believers, we don't do this alone. It's a great help in our seeking God and our pursuing righteousness to get to know and get involved with other followers of Jesus. That's why we have small groups here of all types. And if if you've not been part of one but want to know more about that, five weeks from now we'll have something we call Taste of Community where you can explore the different types of groups. And to learn more about the Taste of Community, you can stop by the resource uh, table that will be on your right as you exit today. Third, is there something I need to flee in order to be faithful to God? Or maybe you're even one of those who who keeps some room of your life locked off, not really allowing access to God. Maybe you need to open that up and present it to him for his cleansing, his forgiveness, his help, his strength. And finally, am I prepared to stand, fight, the good fight of the faith? Let's pray about these, these things this morning before we close. Father, we thank you for your word, for the encouragement of the scripture through which we have hope. We pray for the power of the Holy Spirit now to enable each one of us to respond to your word in the way we need to. For anyone here who doesn't truly know you yet, that you, Father, would bring that person to a realization of need and a realization of the truth of the gospel of Jesus today. For those who need to pursue you more eagerly, there's been a stagnation spiritually. Would you enable the fire to be rekindled, Lord, for seeking you in your kingdom? And for those who need to flee something, would you bring the convicting and empowering work of the Holy Spirit For those who are succumbing to Satan's temptations and accusations, would you provide strength to stand and to withstand? And would you enable each of us to fulfill your beautiful plan and mission, calling for our lives? We pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.